What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am, of course, Rob Stats Guerrera. He is, of course, the human wet blanket, Levin Black. What's up, Levin? Just trying to stay alive here where I'm getting a freaking ice storm. Oh. Just starting. Like, it's it's bad. Like, my hometown is six hours west of here, so they always get hit first. Theirs stayed snow, and they're getting over a foot of snow. By the time it gets to where I'm at in Pittsburgh, it's, like, just warm enough to where it's supposed to be ice, and they're calling for a quarter inch to a half inch of ice. Half inch of ice? That sounds awful. Just the, when that, you... that is, like, massive power outages all over the place because it's heavy. Like, a quarter inch is like a very rare storm anywhere getting a half inch power lines do not stay up there's so much weight on them so i could have a very interesting end of the week and guess who gets to drive in to his day job tomorrow night in the middle of the ice storm oh this guy that is brutal i don't envy you there as if you needed anything else now that we're dealing with the off season levin the off season no joe staley on the show today joe decided to uh Take a little rest after a long uh, regular season. We do appreciate him stopping by with us and keeping it going. Very superstitious man, that Joe Staley. I do appreciate him trying to keep the winning streak going, Levin, which leads me to this inner this uh, review, which comes from VA 49er fan one, five stars, title superstition. I want to start off by saying the entire show is top notch. I listen every day. Thank you for making it a great listen. Secondly, During halftime of the 49ers-Packers game, I realized I didn't have my lucky shorts on. I had on my unwashed Patrick Willis jersey set with my blanket and drank out of my Niner cup like every other week. I quickly switched to my lucky shorts and went on and apologized to the Niner faithful and swore to them it would never happen again. Sincerely, severely superstitious. Cool. Did they win that Packers game? I can't remember. (laughs) Did they win it? So... I got a question for you, and actually kudos to my wife for thinking of this. Do you make sure the same sock goes on the same foot? Did you accidentally swap foots? Because your socks are identical. You can't tell left and right. Foots? Did I swap foots? You mean feet? (laughs) I don't know, Mrs. Black. I don't know. Uh, Ah, so maybe you wore those socks. Yeah, maybe you wore the socks, you know, left at this one, right at that one for three weeks. And then by random chance, you swapped it this week and it's all your fault. It's it's entirely possible. It's my fault. And you know what? If somehow gotta, that was... You got to get a Sharpie from now on and mark them <laughs> so you know. <laughs> somehow, if that was definitively proven, I would take the L. I would take the blame on that. Um, speaking of taking the L, so I got a little cocky last week after they beat the Packers. I was like, you know what? I haven't bought some 49er stuff in a long time. Let me order some 49er stuff, some new stuff, and it'll come and I'll have new 49er stuff for the week of the Super Bowl. It'll be cool, right? Except when your team loses the NFC Championship game, it's really depressing when the box lands at your door and it's new 49ers gear that you're not really going to be able to wear, you know, until the regular season starts. Although I am wearing one of the new shirts right now. That nobody say, can why, why not? I wear Niner stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know All what I mean. Year long. It's different when you wear it during the season when there's games and stuff going on. So I've got the new Niners shirt on and I'm just like depressed because I was thinking I was going to wear it, you know, for the Super Bowl run. Yeah, uh, I'm really upset for you, Rob. Oh, you know, just an <laughs> ounce, a drop of empathy, of real human emotion. All you know, I'm looking I for am very here. Em- empathetic to people who deserve it. Oh, shut up. Okay. <laughs> 
Uh, lots to get to on today's show. There was the season-ending press conferences from John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. Jimmy, Gar- Jimmy Garoppolo had his farewell press conference, which I'm just grateful is over. We've got a little 49ers coaching controversy kind of cooking up here. And uh, and you and I, Levin, have put together our homework assignment for the 49ers going into the offseason. I have four things I really think they need to do. I know you have some of your own. So we have a smorgasbord here. Where do you want to start? Let's just get into the actual true news of this week, and that's the coaching stuff, because it all leads into into each other. So the the big story, obviously, that's dominating the NFL is the lawsuit filed by Brian Flores alleging racist hiring and firing practices in the NFL. He alleges a bunch of stuff in there, including that Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, offered him $100,000 for every game that he lost while he was Dolphins coach so that they could get the number one overall draft pick, which is just an unbelievable claim, which has since seemingly been corroborated by the NFL Network. There's a reporter there, Cameron Wolf, who says that he spoke to somebody who heard Stephen Ross make that offer to Brian Flores, which if they have somebody to back this up, I mean, that is explosive. So yeah, there's it's a, for those that don't realize why that's such an important deal. The <laughs> NFL now has partnerships with betting sites. If it can be proven that one of the owners was intentionally trying to throw games, that's not just a problem with those relationships that they have. That is illegal. That is sports fixing sports bribery act is a literal law in our federal law the miami dolphins owner could he definitely won't because he's a rich white man but <laughs> could go to jail over it but i think if it if it is proven beyond a doubt he could be forced to sell i think is that that oh, is he will be forced to sell 100 right. there's no other option but but there's another part of that did you see what happened in cleveland well Today? hugh hugh jackson is saying yeah. that essentially he has them the owner of the Browns kind of offered him, he didn't say $100,000, but he said the offer was pretty good. And then his representative said they have evidence to back that up. So this thing is crazy. But for the purposes of the 49ers, it's significant because offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel is set to interview with the Miami Dolphins on Friday. So tomorrow, and I tweeted this out and you tweeted out something similar. Like if you're Mike McDaniel, is that? really the guy you want to go work with? Like that's the organization you want to be leading. Who knows? We don't even know. There could be crazy penalties that come down. Maybe the NFL like strips them of first round draft picks for the next four years. We have no idea to me. I'm trying not to be biased here. Like if I'm Mike McDaniel, I say thanks, but no thanks. And, and, you know, stick with the Niners for at least another year. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised that the interview is continuing on. I'd be shocked if he takes the job. Like, it is now a situation that nobody wants to go into uh, or should not want to go into. Mm-hmm. The only thing I can think of is maybe he just wants to go to the interview so that if he does get the offer, he can use that in the next round of head coaching gigs. Like, hey, I was already offered this job, you know? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, maybe Miami has to try to overpay to convince him and he just drives up the offer. So then he can go into the next round and say, well, Miami was going to pay me this and I turned it down. You know what I mean? That, that's all I can think of. Or just for the experience of it. Like, how often do you get an interview for a head coaching gig? Like, that, there is something there for experience. Because those aren't just simple, hey, uh, are, are you a good guy? You know, it's not like us interviewing <laughs> for a job. You know what I mean? Like, 
are you capable of doing this job or not? No, they're like very detailed. Who's going to be on your staff? Who can you get? What type? How do you see our roster? You know, we saw Brian Flores said he, uh, the interview that is in question. He had it was a three and a half hour interview was what the team came back and said that we met with him for three and a half hours. Right. So, I mean, they are very in-depth interviews. Oh, yeah. It's an interview you have to bring a binder to, at least one binder, right. which should tell you all you need to know about like just how detailed you have to get. Because you got to lay out like your whole plan, your plan for your coaching staff, your, how you're going to set up practices, all that stuff. It's, it, yeah, it's and, an and the coaching staff is a big part of it. Like, I don't think the casual fan really quite understands that a lot of times who gets hired and who doesn't has to do with who they can bring in to help them. 100%. Especially if you're inexperienced, like McDaniel, you know, he has never been a head coach before. Right. So the, who, he, who he could bring as a DC would be a big part of whether or not he gets a job. And so there's that whole aspect of it, which, I mean, how great would it be for the 49ers to be able to come back in 2022 with Shanahan, D'Amico Ryans and Mike McDaniel in place again? It would be a huge, huge plus going into 2022 if it happened. And I don't know. I mean, you know, McDaniel could turn it down. Like you said, he could just want to be going through the interview to get the experience. It's entirely possible that that's what happens. Right. And if you're in McDaniel's shoes, you got to think about it as not only does he come back to a championship contending team, but he gets to get the experience of a mobile quarterback. You know what I mean? He, he hasn't really had too much experience running because Jimmy Grapple has been the quarterback. So that is something that he might want to experience in considering he is a run game guru is how he's viewed because that's what he controls for the 49ers mostly. So being able to work a year with having a quarterback who runs some things like who knows what job comes available next year and whether it, it deals with a mobile quarterback. So that that is something that he might want experience in. The other 49ers kind of coaching rumor that it's not really a rumor. Well, I guess it is. So John Embry was the tight ends coach and the assistant head coach for the 49ers. He is not coming back next season. That normally wouldn't be something that we would be talking about on the show in any significant way. But Solomon Wilcox of Sirius XM NFL radio claims that the 49ers asked him to take a 60% pay cut going into next season. And like many of you and I, certainly, if my employer said, hey, we want you to take a 60% pay cut, I would have told you to go pound sand. So he is not coming back. That is probably not going to be exciting news for George Kittle, who was a huge Embry fan in 2019, had some glowing comments about him. But in light of all this Flores stuff, Levin, like Solomon Wilcox is saying, essentially, the 49ers fired John Embry, but they didn't want to fire him. So they just made him this bogus offer. And so kind of forcing him to walk away. It's a situation we're never going to get all the details. We don't know exactly what they were doing. There is the angle that I saw, you know, people on Twitter throw out there. So I don't really know a whole lot about this, to be perfectly honest. You know, I don't know the details on the tight end coach for the 49ers, but he did have the assistant head coaching title. So it's possible that in order to keep D'Amico around, or Mike McDaniel around, they are going to promote one of those to give them that title, and that comes with a pay bump, and they wanted to take that away from a tight end coach because it's kind of awkward, not awkward, weird, I should say, to have a tight end coach with the assistant head coaching title to begin with, and he just balked at that. You know, that, that is one possibility, or, yeah, maybe they just wanted him to quit so instead of fire him, but it really doesn't matter. It's the tight end coach. Like, 
it's not the most important position coach. Not even close. No, you but I, I think mean? it's like, kind it's, of a jerk move by the 49ers because it's a real simple way is. to solve this, Levin. If you want to make D'Amico Ryan's the assistant head coach, great. You make him the assistant head coach and you don't reduce John Embry's salary at all. Right, it, guess it what? doesn't matter. All, right. it, all it is is money out of Jed York's pocket. And there's no salary cap for coaches. So it's not right. like, oh, well, in order to pay Peter, we have to take money away from Paul. That's not how it works. And Jed York certainly has the money to to be able to afford yeah, I, the... I would be curious to see how much he was paid, which is the part of the equation we'll probably never find out. Was it, you know... Oh, he was paid a million dollars because he had the assistant head coach, and I wanted to bring him back to four hundred thousand, which would still, if I'm not mistaken, be high for a tight end coach on average. Then I don't blame the 49ers. If it's he was paid, you know, five hundred thousand, and they want to take him way down there to where he's paid below average for a tight end, then yeah, I I would have problems with if I was in his situation. You know, it it just depends. I just. There's such an easy way to get around this without ruffling anybody's feathers. I mean, maybe he's mad that he's not an assistant head coach anymore, and that could be part of it too. I don't know. But it's just like, what are you doing? You know, like all we talk about is, I wrote the article for Niners Nation this week about how John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have kind of restored the luster to the 49ers. You know, the the whole winning with class motto that used to be their motto in the 80s and 90s. It seems like it's come back a little bit. And this, if it's true, and we don't know if it's true, uh, but if it is true, it just really rubs me the wrong way because it's just kind of a petty thing to do. It is kind of a petty thing to do, but you you hit the nail on the head of what I was going to finish with here. This, this is something that could totally be made up. We have no idea. It could be he's upset about being fired, so he pushed it out there. Hey, can you, you know, to a buddy. I, who knows? I don't know the relationships. I don't know if this is somebody in the media just wanting attention. Who knows? whether this is real, whether it's not real, if it is real, why? Like, it's just a situation we're never going to get to know the truth because it's not an important enough thing to where somebody's going to dig and dig and dig until they get the truth. Maybe we'll find out more. Who knows? Uh, I doubt anyone in the 49ers press corps will ask them about it because they might actually (laughs) ruffle some feathers and God forbid that ever happens. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, the 49ers had their end of year press conference, so to speak, end of season press conference. John Lynch spoke, Kyle Shanahan spoke, Jimmy Garoppolo spoke, but we have our own assignments for them and what they need to do this offseason. So we will present those for you when we come back. We're back here on the Gold Standard Podcast. All right, Levin, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch had their press conference this week, at the, you know, end of year, kind of summing everything up. And they had some thoughts about what certain people need to work on during the offseason. And it made me wonder if I could give the 49ers kind of a homework assignment for the offseason, things they need to improve on, what would it be? So I have my list of four things. I know you have a list as well. How many things do you have on your list? Uh, I have four things. No, look at that. Symmetry. And we didn't even plan it that way. (laughs) All right. I will give you the honors here. You can go first. Your biggest thing the 49ers need to work on this offseason. So first off, this is a weird offseason, I think, in in my view. Uh, I think the team was not as good as the 2019 team, but in a weird way, they need a lot less than the 2019 team did after after that season. Like I don't see huge glaring hole on this team in terms of they need to go get a star to fill this, or they just don't have people good enough uh, there. The only position I think they need to go find somebody that's starting caliber and they don't need to be a star, they don't need to go after the top names on the market, is cornerback. I mean, that's pretty obvious, but 
I think that's the only place that they truly need to address by bringing in a quality veteran that can start and be trusted over there while Ambry Thomas develops on the other side and Emmanuel Mosley develops and keeps, you know, that that's that's all I really see. Like, this is a really weird offseason for, for me. Like, it, it's an offseason where there's no first-round pick, and I don't think they need to go chasing after any free agent. It, it's like, I, I just, I've never gone into a Niners offseason and thought, eh, like there's nothing really needed. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel like they don't have a ton of glaring needs, but they the needs that they have, I feel like, are very important. They don't have to go get, like, Jalen Ramsey at corner in the offseason. They don't. Right. But they have to get somebody. They have to get somebody that that's just, even if it was, like, an NFL average to slightly above average starter, that's just reliable, that they can count on to be there for, you know, 15 to 17 games in the regular season. Like that, right. I threw it out there. They, they should spend, you know, instead of spending fifteen to twenty million on somebody like Gilmore, they should be looking to get one of the guys that's going to cost around ten million. You know, that may, might be a little younger, isn't the big name, isn't a former defensive MVP, but he's safe, reliable, starting quality corner. If basically, like, if you could clone Emmanuel Mosley and they could just have him, like, yes, sign me up right now. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, pretty much. Like they don't they don't need a star. They don't need Sherman. They don't well, I'm not gonna go Norman. They don't need a former great. You know what I mean? Don't go <laughs> the super old more. veteran route either. Right. Which is what their MO has been so far. Go try to find the super old veteran who can come in and give experience. No. They just need to find a reliable starter, preferably somebody that's not in their uh 30s because cornerbacks break down and just don't have the speed anymore much sooner than most other positions. I, I would say they're right there. Like it's running back and then cornerback that are the hardest to maintain through your thirties. Without question. They age like milk for sure. My well, first thing is let the whole run it back idea die. And you kind of mentioned it, like let this chapter of the Kyle Shanahan era end. don't get attached to guys from this time. And like the number one guy I'm thinking of is Jaquaski Tart. And this has yeah. nothing to do with that dropped interception. Tart is a fine player. And if he wants to come back on a reasonable deal, maybe you consider it. But first, look to see if you can upgrade. There are better safeties out there than Jaquaski Tart. Look to upgrade. Don't just say, well, Tart wants a reasonable deal and we know him and he knows our system. Like, no, no, no. You have to look for upgrades everywhere man that is your job so like tart jason verrett kwan williams go into the offseason thinking let's see if we can do better and if you can't and maybe you have to circle back to those guys you do that and if some of those guys sign elsewhere in the meantime that's okay too like don't get too enamored with what you know look and see what is out there is that a fair assignment i think pretty much all the free agent secondary guys should be allowed to walk K1 Williams was not very good this year, especially towards the end of the year. He was struggling in the slot. It basically became, towards the end of the year, uh, when they faced Cup and when they faced <laughs> Devontae Adams, move him to the slot and he gets open. Well, who covers the slot? The nickel corner. Who's our nickel corner? K1 Williams. Like, he just couldn't do it. I, I, I don't think he played to the same caliber that he has, and I think he's starting to fade. He, he is getting up there in years. Um, but as far as the tart, and that's my, in my opinion for the last couple of years, 
I I don't have anything against Hart. I think in a different style of defense, one that calls for more of a uh, in-the-box type strong safety, because I think he excels at that. He's physical. He's extremely fast. I think he can come down and play more kind of like a Jamal Adams, I think he could do. Um, But he's not a ball hawk. And when you have Jimmy Ward as the other safety, who's not a ball hawk either, they are both, you know, Jimmy Ward's obviously, I think, better than Tart, but they're both good at what they do. Problem is they do the same thing. (laughs) You need a ball hawk. I think you need a safety that's going to do some bigger hits, cause more turnovers, be able to catch the ball, which, you know, it is what it is with Tart's thing. But I think you need somebody in that secondary that creates turnovers, and they don't have one, and you need to have that in your strong safety. I think they just need a different style of strong safety than what they have. And that's not anything against Tart. I just think they have too much of the same thing with him and Ward. They are both really, really fast athletic guys that can cover up a lot of mistakes due to their athleticism, but neither one of them can get interceptions. And neither one of them are particularly great at punching the ball out or anything like that to create turnovers. And you need that. Turnovers are huge. And even if it's somebody that's worse in coverage than Tart, I don't care. Like, I think overall, you're going to get a bigger benefit. Even if the guy gives up a couple more big plays, whoever comes in to replace him, whether it's a rookie or, or a free agent, even if he gives up more big plays, if it gets you know, three, four, five interceptions in the year, I think that comes out as a wash and it fits what this defense needs more. I don't think that's crazy, to be honest with you. I know that might scare some people, but I agree. Like turnovers are a huge, huge difference maker. We've certainly seen it on offense with the 49ers. Just look at the Cowboys. The Cowboys defense was terrible, but they got so many turnovers that people like didn't realize how bad they were because they were able to end so many drives before they could really get going. I agree. I would love to see a ball hawking safety in there with San Francisco. We'll see what happens, but I think that's like, don't get too attached to these guys for sure. All right. What's number I, two? I think, sorry, just one last thing on that. A lot of that also depends on where they're at with Hufanga. If they think he can truly step in, but from what I saw, I don't think so. Maybe he he's still learning and they see that potential, but I think towards the end of the year, he definitely kind of came down a couple notches and he looked more like, He's a guy that you love as your third safety. He can come in and fill. He can kind of play the free safety. He can kind of play the strong safety. He's able to play both kind of roles, which in this defense, they're kind of the same role anyways. But you know what I mean? Like he, he just didn't seem like he was truly ready. And maybe he gets there, but it just didn't seem like he, he was somebody that was going to be able to be a true bona fide starting quality safety. You know what's crazy about him is I do kind of get the vibe from him that he is – a guy that's generally around the ball, a guy that can make some big hits and force right. some fumbles and stuff like that. But I just, I don't think he can cover well enough and he's, he's mm-hmm. not fast. He's, he's kind of right. slow. And um, that, that's what this defense is all about. That's why yes. Tart was brought back. This defense is all about your safeties need to be fast as hell. So I like him being part of the team and I definitely think there's a role for Talanoa right. Hufanga. I just don't think that role is uh, starting safety. What else is on your list? So I got, th- this is kind of tied together and I put them together. A lot is obviously being talked about. They need to get Debo and Boza extended, which that was actually mentioned by John Lynch in the, you know, offseason press or whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't think the Boza one is as pressing 
in my opinion. I think both of these could get nasty. I, I think that's kind of been ignored to this point because of how the season went where the last 10 games were all do or die, basically. But I could see Debo's, and he actually... Th- there was one comment that, that I wouldn't say quite raised my eyebrow, but it, it caught my attention a little bit from John Lynch when he, he called him a wide back. And that could have just been him being sarcastic because Debo called himself a wide back. Yeah. But... I threw it out there. I wonder if they try to, when they do negotiations with him, say, hey, you're a wide receiver and a running back. We're not going to pay you like a wide receiver. We're going to pay you like what you are, an in-between running back, wide receiver. And if it gets nasty, try to create a brand new franchise tag position where it's a wide back. Because you could argue he plays a position that is completely different than anybody else. And I think that that negotiation could get nasty if Debo's saying, I want $20 million a year. Like John Lynch, and he kind of Lynch kind of hinted at that the team's not going to go there. Well, Lynch himself hinted at that, like it's it's sort of a unique situation because of what Debo did. If they try to pull that with him, though, like if I were Debo's agent, I would say, look, that's all well and good, but my guy had fourteen hundred receiving yards. Like it wasn't. All he has to do is the agent has to leak it to the press, because if that gets out, the fans will they the Niners will lose that PR battle. Yeah, pretty quickly. Um. But, I mean, he had 1,400 receiving yards, so if right. he didn't have a single carry, you could argue he was still entitled to this right. incredible receiver this is, contract. This but you're, I don't necessarily think that the extension happens this offseason because they they hinted at that that running back position is not going to go away, that but him John, coming back in the backfield. I think the next year, Debo doesn't get those 1,400 yards. I think he comes down a peg, and IU takes more of the line share, which we saw towards the end of the year, that Debo's receiving numbers were falling towards the end of the year because he was used more and more in the backfield and Ayuk was taking up more and more of the deeper routes. And I think if they wait, Debo won't have as much negotiating power after a year and they can always franchise him. Well, the problem is that John Lynch kind of put himself into a little bit of a box because he said they've already been budgeted for. So it's like, all right, right, well then what's the problem? Like you've already, you've, you've said now that you've prepared for this. So now just give me the money that you've already budgeted. Um, but you're right. Like these, both of these contracts can get super hairy, super fast. Uh, if Nick Bosa negotiates anything like Joey Bosa, that's going to be a bear. Because... That, that was my point. Like I, I said this a year ago. Yep. I don't know if Nick Bosa ever gets the long-term deal from the 49ers because I think his demands will be. I don't give a crap how this affects the team. Which this is the Joey route. I don't give a crap how it affects the team. You're going to pay me the highest in the league and you're going to give me a ton of guaranteed and you're going to give it to me up front, like the yep. worst possible contract for a team <laughs> position. And I think the Boza could be a, a thing where they go and they use the fifth year option and then a franchise and then a second franchise and you get seven years out of him, And by then he's hitting 30 and you let him walk. Like I could see that being the Boza route. It just depends on if, if Nick is like Joey, and I think he is, I think that's a family thing. They are very experienced with this league, you know, with, with multiple generations. I think Boza is going to demand a deal that is a backbreaker for the 49ers. And I don't know if the 49ers can do it if he's unwilling to be team friendly. You, you're you going to have to make him the most highest paid defensive player yes. ever. Like You're going to have it. to do that, but it's whether or not he's going to give concessions to make it a little more team friendly. Right. How that's structured, that's different. Uh, and we have yet to see that. I don't know. 
Uh, I, to be honest with you, I don't know how Joey's deal is structured either. I don't know if he has like a ton of upfront guaranteed money. I'm not sure, but that's like his agent is going, that's where the negotiations are going to start period. I mean, he's coming mm-hmm. off a knee injury. He had 15 and a half sacks. Plus he had like four and three playoff games, something like that. The guy's incredible. Um, so we'll see what kind of thing they work out. Nick in his press conference, like brushed it off. Like, ah, that's something for my agent for down the road. Right. Debo kind of did the same thing, but this stuff matters. Like when you look at how teams fracture relationships with players, go back to contract talks. It almost always starts mm-hmm. there. And if I'm Boza, I'm fine waiting. You, you know, he comes from a family that has money and he's made plenty as the number two overall pick. And it's not like his value is going to completely tank if he gets another injury. Like, the longer you wait to get the big deal, the bigger the deal is because every year it pretty much gets reset. You know, the highest deal gets reset. So if he waits until after his fourth year where it's fourth year or the fifth year option, I don't see that as a bad position for Boza. I think it's the team that's wanting to get the, the deal done now so that it's cheaper down the road when Trey Lance's contract comes up. I think that's a team thing. They're pushing the Boza extension. I'm not necessarily convinced that Boza wants an extension right now. Debo's different because he was he wasn't a first round pick, so he doesn't have the fifth year option. And I think that the Niners want to get this done so that they can kind of have a view of how they can structure things for everybody else going forward, right? Like if you get the Bosa right. and the Debo contracts done, then you're like, all right, let me look. Bosa's done. Warner's done. Kittle's done. Like you kind of can look out and see, you know, what you can afford going forward for the next three, four, five years. And I think that's important for them when they plan this stuff and how they approach other negotiations with other players that aren't necessarily top of the market elite stars going forward. So I agree with you. Those two contracts are going to be huge for the 49ers. Those are emergency podcast contracts. When those are signed, (laughs) we will be doing emergency podcasts for sure. Uh, Number two on my list improve short yardage situations. I came across this stat and it came about because Kyle Shanahan has talked about in the NFC title game, how yes, that fourth down play was important, but the second down and the third down play before it were really what changed the game where the Niners got stuffed on second and one and stuffed on third and one San Francisco converted 58% on third and fourth down between one and two yards this year. So if it was third and fourth down, With one or two yards to go, the 49ers converted that 58% of the time. That was the second worst in the NFL. And it's been something that's been a problem for Kyle Shanahan for multiple years. And he needs to fix it. Like, I don't know if he needs to just study Andy Reid or John Harbaugh or Brian Dayball with, with what he's done with Josh Allen in terms of a runner. But like, figure it out, dude, because this is an issue that has haunted you for multiple seasons. And to his credit... I think that Kyle does self-scout because one big bugaboo for Shanahan offenses was red zone scoring, and they were the best team in the red zone all year this year at converting it into touchdowns. So I think he does self-scout, but he's got to fix that because it is a huge problem area. Basically, if they didn't have Jimmy Garoppolo sneaking it, they had real trouble converting in those spots. Yeah, and he even said that one of those plays – was the backbreaker in the playoff loss to the Rams, the second and one that turned into second and almost three, ba- or third and almost three, basically. It kind of changed mm-hmm. everything. Um, 
but one, I think that improves when you have a quarterback like Trey Lance who can run um, just next year. But I also think that's what the draft pick of Trey Sermon was partially about, and it didn't work. Like, that's one of the, if you want to get into, like, one of the lesser important things, like, is Trey Sermon going to be anything is, needs to be answered. Because if he's not, you're wasting time because you need a bigger back. And I think that's what's missing. You don't have the bigger back in the system that pushes the pile. Because it was Jeff Wilson and Elijah uh, Mitchell. And I think that's also part of the problem was that you had a rookie who was a sixth round draft pick for a reason. Incredibly athletic, but the one thing that we saw from Mitchell that he struggled with uh, at times, including in the playoffs and especially early in the season, was his vision, choosing where to cut. He sometimes cuts right into where the defense is rather than (laughs) cutting back where the hole is. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to be mean, but that is something he struggled with. And that shows its head when it's second and third and short, or even even fourth and short, where you're going to get the tiniest of holes because the defense is going to be able to load up the box. And you got to be able to find that tiny little hole to get yourself a yard or two. And I think that's an area that Mitchell is probably the worst part of his game is that. And then you his backup is Jeff Wilson, who's not really going to push a pile. You, you need the bigger back. And that's something Kyle has never really gone out of his way to go get. And I wonder if Trey Sermon was supposed to be the kind of finding the middle ground where he can be both the starter and a power back. And it just didn't work out for some reason. Cause I mean, Trey Sermon was not dressing. He was not playing. So that needs to be answered. Yeah. He was a ghost for them and they traded up to get Trey Sermon. Don't forget. It wasn't just like he fell into their lap. They made a move to go up and get him. So it's kind of surprising to see how he has sort of fallen out of favor. What's next on your list? So the only other thing I have for main things that we haven't already addressed because I had addressed the strong safety position as one of my four that you already covered is the obvious one. Trade Jimmy and do it quickly. (laughs) That's the only thing I'll add to the trade Jimmy thing. You need to do it quickly, I think. You need to give Trey Lance the team. He needs to have the reins early on. Don't need to be sitting around and waiting. I'm not talking about like trading this week. I'm just saying like – if the draft comes and you're trying to do a draft day trade, I'm going to be annoyed to begin with. Like, just get it done so that there can be a clean break and this whole team can move into the offseason knowing what the deal is. And I think that is the plan. If you read between some of the things Staley has said and what the team said in the presser, you know, one, Jimmy Flat said him and Joan have already had trade talk. Two, Staley kind of hinted. I don't remember if he said directly, but he kind of hinted at the fact that the team basically knew the deal, that this is Jimmy's last hurrah, and then it's Trey Lance's show. So let it be Trey Lance's show. Uh, You, I believe, put up a poll on the Niners Nation at NN Podcast Twitter feed. Do you think it's right for the 49ers to let Jimmy choose his next team out of respect instead of getting a mid-round pick? 83% of people that voted in the poll said trade him no matter what which I totally agree with. Uh, Jimmy himself said that he expects things to happen quickly. He can be traded now. Uh, He would have to agree to it because he technically has a no trade clause for the entire 2022 league year. So he would have to agree to it. I do think that they are trying to work with him, that they are willing to try and trade him to somewhere that's not, you know, football Siberia. But 
we will see where that goes. And then if they don't get something worked out, once the new league year starts next month, they can trade him wherever the hell they want because he doesn't have a no trade clause for 2023. So it's going to be interesting. I, I hope that they do it quickly. I think it's going to be next month because a lot of this stuff, a lot of these negotiations happen at the combine. A lot of tampering and all sorts of other stuff goes <laughs> no. on at the combine, which no is way. March 1st, March 1st through the 7th. Yeah. So I wouldn't be stunned if, you know, all these, G- like I've, I've literally gone to the combine. I have seen it. All these GMs go, there's like three places to go out to eat in Indianapolis that are near where everything is. <laughs> they all get hammered and they all talk. That's just literally how it goes down. So I wouldn't be stunned if you start hearing rumors around that time, like last week of February, March. And then by the time free agency opens, I wouldn't be stunned at all if Jimmy was off the team. You know, there's one aspect to this trade thing that I haven't seen quite put out there yet. And I personally kind of find it humorous. What, What do we see when teams trade a starting quality guy that they think is truly good, but they just have a guy behind them they want to go to. They don't want to trade him to somebody they have to compete to get to the Super Bowl with. Alex Smith was traded to the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC. Yet, where are a lot of the teams that it's rumored or favored by Vegas, Jimmy Garoppolo ends up inside the NFC. And I think that tells you everything about John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan's true feeling on Jimmy that Hey, great guy, great leader, but we're not too worried about him being in the NFC. I mean, if you were, then why are you trading him in the first place? But I mean, look at the AFC. I mean, how many teams have their quarterback? The Patriots have their quarterback. The Jets have their quarterback. The Ravens have their quarterback. The Steelers need a quarterback. I think that's actually, that's my destination where I think he's going to wind up. It's Pittsburgh, which is hilarious. That's where I think. Because, because Michelle Majuk is a Steeler fan right. and she is praying that they don't trade for him. Um, <laughs> but like almost everybody else in the AFC kind of has their guy. So if he's going to go anywhere and it's not Pittsburgh, it's probably going to be the NFC. I mean, look at the NFC South. The Panthers need a quarterback. The Saints need a quarterback. Now the Buccaneers need a quarterback. Like a lot of teams in the NFC have questions at that spot. Um So I agree. I think they do need to trade him, which kind of dovetails into my last homework assignment for the team, which is they need to bring in a mentor for Trey Lance. They need to bring in a veteran backup veteran. Yes. Let it be a mobile guy who who understands what Lance is going to Cam Newton, but a mobile veteran. (laughs) Right. No, not somebody that still wants to be the starter. Yes. Like, so I heard an interview that uh, RJ Ochoa from blogging the boys did with Mark Sanchez for the SB Nation NFL show. It hasn't gone live yet, but I got to hear it because I'm the one that's putting the show together. And uh, Brag a little more. Sanchez talks about with Dak when he was in Dallas, how he had a conversation with Dak and he pulled him aside and he was like, look, if you are open to this, I will mentor you. I know a lot of stuff. I've been around the block. I, I can help you. I can help you with film study. I can help you with all this stuff. But if you want to do it, I'm going to ride you kind of hard, basically. I'm going to, you know, criticize everything that I see. And to his credit, Dak Prescott accepted that help and did that. And I think that's exactly what the 49ers need with Trey Lance. You need a mobile veteran backup guy that can help him because coaching only goes so far. There are some messages that you have to hear from a peer, whether, and I'm sure you can relate to this in your job, whatever you have. It's one thing for your boss to tell you something, but it's another thing for someone that you look up to on the job to say, 
hey, this is how I do it. This is how I learn. Here's what I looked for. It's a different thing. And that guy is not on the roster right now for the 49ers. And I know it's all about, you know, Trey Lance and they think they have their quarterback. But I think backup quarterback is an important selection for this team this offseason. And I think there's going to be an ideal candidate out there. He's an Mm -hmm. unrestricted free agent, Tyrod Taylor, somebody with starting experience. He's been on multiple teams, been around the block. I think he's at the point where he's willing to accept being the backup. Um, But yet he's still good enough that if something were to happen to Trey Lance for a few weeks, he would be able to keep you afloat. I think he is perfect. He's mobile. He's been in Buffalo. He's been in, uh, I was going to say San Diego, he's been with the Chargers. He's been everywhere. (laughs) And he's been with uh, Houston this past year. You know, he's, He's been in a lot of really toxic environments, in my opinion. You know, he, he had the Bills period where he's winning. He leads them back to the playoffs for the first time in a really long time, and yet he's getting benched. He's getting pulled for a guy that wasn't very good. Uh, and then he goes to the Chargers, and he has the whole lung thing with the doctors. And then he goes to the Texans where he's in and out as the starter. Um, some of that due to injuries, but I think he's somebody that has the right experience uh, from what I've everything I've ever read, which you know I don't know the guy that well, but he seems to be a, a good guy. You know, he's not he's not a head case. He's not somebody that's going to cause problems. I think he's the right environment type of person for that locker room. I think you go out there. I think he signed a one year five million dollar deal this year to be with the Texans. I think if you can get him for around that same or even go up to like seven eight million a year, I think you spend that to get. His real his experience and his ability in that locker room for Trey Lance because he is somebody that has a similar ability mobile wise with starting experience and that's pretty unique to find out in the open market. I wouldn't be opposed to that at all, and I like what you said too about if he's got to make a couple starts, he can keep you afloat. Because look, we don't know about Lance and his injury history. I mean, he's played a couple of times. He's gotten hurt both times. He got hurt in the preseason with the finger injury, and he got hurt in the regular season with the knee. So we, we can't just assume that we can pencil him in automatically for full seasons year after year. I like that. Tyrod Taylor was on the Ravens in 2012. So he's got Super Bowl experience and playoff experience. He, he's been through that whole thing, which, I mean, everybody's thinking that Lance is, you know, going to make a deep run in the playoffs. I would love that if they if they went that route. I don't know that they're going to. I have no idea what their plan is, um, but I would absolutely love it if Tyrod Taylor was the choice. But they need to... They need to put some stock into that. That is not just like a throwaway thing that they're yeah, going to have to Yeah, I'm not going to be happy with. if it's Sudfield still being I agree. You know, now promoted up to the number two. That's not good enough. Sorry. Yeah, I agree completely. It, it's, a, it's a missed opportunity if that's what they decide to go with. All right, Levin. I think that's going to do it. Those are all the homework assignments that I have for the team. I know those are all the homework assignments that you have for the team. Just want to thank everybody again for an incredible, incredible season. We are absolutely crushing it right now. We are so, so grateful. And again, remind you, please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. If you've gotten any value, any enjoyment from us during the season, take 30 seconds and leave us a rating and a review. It really does help. I keep saying this, but it's true. We're not going anywhere. We are not closing up shop. We're not doing any of that. You will still get brand new shows every weekday here on the Niners Nation Podcast Network. There's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo trade rumors going to be free agency the combine's coming up at the end of the month i know we don't have a first round pick but we still have plenty of other picks well not yet but we're going to get one for jimmy right (laughs) i mean so matt mayoko i don't know if you saw this mayoko has a whole column about like 
hey, here's what other quarterbacks went for and blah, blah, blah. And then right at the bottom of the column, he has a line in there that says the Niners will get at least a second round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. And that makes Mm -hmm. me wonder, like, is that him sort of leaking the team's asking price out there? Or if the team has had that, like had an offer like that in last offseason and he knows. Like that's possible too. There, there is one really juicy place that I could see happening that we didn't even mention. I could see the Raiders with Garoppolo. It would be something that would have to be, I think, lined up with multiple teams where McDaniels gets to reunite with Garoppolo, a guy that we know at least Bill Belichick thought was the future of the Patriots and wanted to go with him. You would think he wouldn't have done that if the offensive coordinator and McDaniels wasn't behind that uh, back when it was the Brady versus Garoppolo ordeal. If they line up a, a trade partner with Carr that is willing to give Carr the extension he wants because he's got one year left, they could have a you know double up or whatever. It wouldn't be a three-team deal, really. But you could have Garoppolo moving to the Raiders and Carr moving to wherever else. That would be, I mean, you're talking about some dominoes in that scenario, but stranger things have happened for sure. And we got to see how all this plays out. I know that Josh McDaniels was talking about how nice it'll be to have Derek Carr, but like, don't buy into like the first thing Josh McDaniels says after getting the Raiders job is not going to be, Hey, I can't wait to get rid of Derek Carr. Right. So you, we're going to evaluate him and see if he's really part of our, yeah, no, like right. that won't you go over well. Take that for a grain of salt. Just, this is not neither here nor there. Would you trade Garoppolo for Carr straight up? Uh, not saying you which, had Lance. Which team just, am I? Which, you, which quarterback am I getting? Uh, you're getting Carr. Absolutely. You would. Carr is better than Garoppolo. I agree. All right. Just just wondering. So, yeah, there's, I mean, that's why it's going to be a fun offseason, man. I know I went into last year saying, hey, it's going to be crazy with all the things they're going to do. This offseason is going to be just as crazy because I think that the Niners are not a sit on their hands kind of team. So if if there's well, they like yeah. to take big swings. So it, it's interesting because the Niners have one of the starting quarterback caliber players available and there are multiple playoff caliber teams looking for quarterback, which is kind of unique. You have the Steelers. I mean, they just made the playoffs with Big Ben, so <laughs> they can make it with anybody. <laughs> and then you have the Saints. Like they could easily make the playoffs if they have better quarterback play because uh, your boy just wasn't good enough. And of course, I'm talking about Taysom Hill. Stunner. <laughs> Shocking. Oh, man, the future Steve Young. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, it is kind of a weird situation. The Niners have a quarterback that is viewed as starting caliber. You can argue how good of a starting caliber, but starting caliber. And there are teams that want to win right now and have proof that they can if they get a starting caliber quarterback. So we will see. We will be there through all of it right there with you. We will ride that wave. Regardless, rate, review, follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Enjoy it, everybody. We will be back next week.